Welcome back to In My Humble Opinion, the Daily Nebraskan Opinion Podcast, where we have opinions and you have opinions about our opinions. And it's just a lot of opinions and a lot of fun. I'm Sydney Miller. I'm Emma Crabb. I am another opinion columnist here at the Daily Nebraskan. And I am Nick Finan. I'm also an opinion columnist at the Daily Nebraskan. Yes, and I am the opinion editor. But I thought that everyone would know that by now because they're all dedicated listeners, obviously. So that's why I didn't say that. But yeah, today we're not talking about COVID. Yay! 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 Today we're talking about politics. (laughs) (laughs) Which is arguably more fun to some people. So. Like I mentioned last episode, the New York Times created a little quiz talking about what the six political parties of America could be. If America was split into six parties, which would you belong to? And we thought that was pretty fun, so we all took the quiz. And we're going to tell you a little more about what the test was. If you hadn't had a chance to take it, I highly recommend just going and doing that. But you can pretty much understand it if you don't, because we're really good at explaining things. Yeah, so uh, the test basically, uh, it's 20 questions just about general sort of policy and like what your values are on different issues from climate change and guns. And then it puts you on, uh, there's sort of a graph and there are two axes. Going to the right is more economically conservative and going upwards is more socially conservative. In the bottom left-hand quadrant, so the the least economically and socially conservative is the progressive party. The degenerates. Yes, the lovely degenerates. (laughs) And then, you know, a bit bit above them and more towards the center. So the sort of uh, socially liberal, maybe more pro-business, there is the new liberal party. And then on the economic left, but more socially conservative, there's the American Labor Party. They're like, just working class. Yeah. 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 So then in the upper right quadrant, we've got the really fun Patriot Party, um, which we'll touch more on that, but you can probably guess what, what's, what's up with that. That one is the most socially conservative party. And then on the very, very far right of the economically conservative axis, and about three-fourths of the way up to socially conservative, you've got the Christian Conservative Party. And then you go all the way down, and you go actually, you cross the x-axis. This reminds me of math class. Um, You cross the x-axis, and so you're down with all the degenerate parties, but in the right quadrant, you've got the growth and opportunity party. Uh, Do you want to sort of share what our results were? Yeah, we we can have a share. I think all three of us here today had different results. No, I, we had two progressives and a new liberal. Am I the new liberal? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I got nice. I got slightly above the progressive party, but I think that's because of my position on guns. I'm pretty much honestly looking at mine. If there was like a Bermuda Triangle of the American Labor Party, the New Liberal Party, and the Progressive Party, I'm like right yeah, in the you're middle. Like solidly in the middle. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about what the Progressive Party is? Yeah, yeah. So the Progressive Party, it is a sort of social democratic party that strives for, you know, equality, like racial equality, gender equality, all that stuff. They are typically more highly educated and younger, uh, and they have, of all of the parties, they have the most women, being about uh, 60% female. Which is funny, because the only woman on this podcast isn't in the Progressive Party. (laughs) That's right. I am not. 
Um, I ended up in the new liberal party. So technically on my map, I'm like, I'm not a dead center new liberalist, but um, it's definitely my closest one. My second closest being the progressive party. I'm kind of on a line between the two, but uh, yeah, the new liberal party, which is where I ended up in, um, is the professional class establishment of the Democratic Party. So very, very socially liberal, social views, racial views, views on LGBTQ issues, probably, you know, a, a very, like very liberal standpoint on those, but more pro-business, more pro, pro-market takes as well. And my favorite part about this quiz, because those words like mean things, but like, do they really mean things? <laughs> it has potential leaders, which I thought was interesting. Oh yeah. So potential leaders include Pete Buttigieg, Cory Booker, and Beto O'Rourke, which is interesting because I was like kind of a big Pete person for a while. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> Does it track? Yeah, yeah, yeah that tracks. And like ultimately I was, I, I realized that it was probably lost cause, but like I was really like, I was vibing with Pete for a while, despite like the really cringy like dances at the campaign. I, uh, I saw this like Facebook account and it was called like it was like a pete Buttigieg meme group i don't know how i stumbled across this but it was like a meme about pete and how he's fluent in like six different languages but like his most fluent language compassion i'll always remember that meme it's always gonna oh, stick with I me just cringed. yeah and for the, for the progressive party potential leaders were aoc alexandria ocasio cortez elizabeth warren or uh julian castro so you know definitely solidly more progressive um, and it actually it gives rough percentages for each party's share of the electorate. Uh, so the largest party with 26% of the vote would be the new Liberal Party. And then uh, just below them with 20% would be the Christian Conservative Party. To give you sort of an idea of what that would look like in the House, the new Liberals would have 113 seats and the Christian Conservatives would have 87 seats. And then you have uh, a bunch of parties with 14%. The Progressives, the Growth and Opportunity, and Patriot Party would all have 14%, which would translate roughly to 61 seats in the House. And then the smallest party would be the American Labor Party with 12%, or like 52 seats in the House. Obviously, no party would have a full 50%, which is what you would need to elect like a Speaker of the House, right? So you would see what uh, what you see in a lot of other countries that have multi-party systems is coalition governments. You know, so they would agree, all right, you vote for our candidate for speaker, and you will get these certain like cabinet positions or whatever uh, is how it typically works. The most likely coalitions that I think would arise is so obviously you would have the highest percentage, like the the party with the most seats would be, you know, they would be sort of the top party and they would get to choose who, who to make their coalition with. So the new Liberal Party would most likely first party up with the uh, American Labor Party. Uh, that would give them 38%, so not enough. And then they just need one party with 14% to get the, past the sort of 50% threshold, right? So the most likely two candidates are the either, either the Growth and Opportunity Party or the Progressive Party. And it, it, it would really depend on how all of the different coalition members are feeling, which one they went with. I could see them going either way, really. 
I agree. And I think it depends. I mean, when you look at that map, Growth and Opportunity and Progressive Party are on the almost exact opposite ends of the economically conservative. Mm -hmm. So I think that would also just come down to, like, what kind of bills are being passed, like, what, what's going on, like, what do they need help with and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's a really good take, and I think that's really accurate that they, you know, depending on what's going on and what the environment is surrounding the coalition, like, that could shift back and forth. Yeah. One of the things that was interesting to me is that Bernie Sanders wasn't one of the potential leaders of the Progressive Party. I think maybe he, he's like dead in this like mock-up of the world. Yeah, like, I feel did Bernie like... Sanders die so that we could have six parties and <laughs> that's why he's not on yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Bernie is affiliated, at least on the state level in Vermont, with the Vermont Progressive Party. So he would probably be in there, but I, I think he would sort of step back into sort of like an elder statesman sort of role, right? like more of an advisory role. That kind of seems where he's sort of shifting his focus. I like my idea better, but okay. That we had to sacrifice <laughs> yeah. to get six He's like parties. the Aslan figure. Yeah, oh, I want that for him. <laughs> I don't know if he wants that for him. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I would prefer he not die, obviously. Obviously. So yeah, we don't have our lovely centrist Brian Beach here with us today, but he did take this quiz, and we want you all to know that he's literally dead center. Dead center. Like the middle, the, like the zero point on, on both axes. That's where he is. So Brian, which is it, so Brian. It, it's incredibly Brian. It's, uh, I'm proud of him, honestly. I think that's an achievement in and of itself. I feel like he could go for either growth and opportunity or American labor. Like yeah. either one. Yeah, so Brian was grouped in with the growth and opportunity party. This is the socially moderate and pro-business wing of the Republican Party. So it's sort of like the East Coast wing of the GOP. The potential leaders of the Growth and Opportunity Party would be people like Mitt Romney, John Kasich, and Larry Hogan, the governor of my home state, which, yeah, that tracks for me. So this would be the, the Republican Party that's not trying to control women's bodies as much as they're trying to have the world not be controlled by the government. Right. Yeah. The so businesses it, not it be controlled by the like, government. Um, like, it is way, way kind of over on the right economic-wise. Very, very, very super, super pro-business. Mm -hmm. But, like, in the long run, like, socially, not super, super conservative. No. Yeah, it just kind of seems like they have a lot less interest in exactly it, yeah it's just not as important to them right uh which is sort of how i understand being towards the middle on an issue yeah and i mean that makes a lot of sense to me especially with larry hogan being one of the leaders because one of the most controversial things he's done he made it so schools didn't open until after labor day in our state so we could have more business for ocean city but at the same time with coronavirus he was like really strict about the mask mandates and he was pretty aggressive about that so that all pretty much tracks with that. Yeah, yeah, the sort of like Republican governor of a traditionally more democratic state is like the vibe you get. Yeah. Right. So then none of us got the American Labor Party, but that one is focused on economic populism. So it's more appealing to working class Democrats. It would be more moderate on social and cultural issues. So it's a, it's actually a little more socially conservative than the Growth and Opportunity Party, but it's on the opposite side economically so and they're saying it'd be a lot more diverse appealing to many more working class hispanics so potential leaders would be 
Sherrod Brown, John Tester, and Tim Ryan. Mm. Does anyone know any of those people? Tim Ryan was Hillary Clinton's vice president pick. Wasn't he? No, he wasn't. No. That was Tim Kaine. Yeah, that was Tim, Tim Kaine. Kaine. Never mind. I don't know who Tim Kaine yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know who John Tester is. He's, I think, he was the governor of Montana, and I think he is a senator currently. I am staring into the eyes of Tim Ryan right now. <laughs> nothing. I still have nothing. He's John Tester is a third generation Montana farmer. Proud grandfather. Yeah, he's a senator. But cool. Good for them. I mean, that that makes sense to me. It's sort of maybe would be the the Mountain West. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, Mountain West sort of I mean, I so I could see the American Labor Party winning a district like Nebraska's first district, which is uh, the district Lincoln said, right? Because you have that economic populism that really does seem to resonate with with people uh, in sort of more rural communities, but you and you don't have that the sort of social progressivism that seems to uh, turn a lot of them all away from the Democratic Party, right? Whereas we're looking at our second district, which is Omaha, which went for Biden in this last election. Where do you guys think that would end up? Um, I could see them going either progressive or new liberal. Yeah, I would I would agree with new liberal. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just because Omaha, like it is, you know, that urban area, but there are, right. you know, I've still met many Omaha, oh, especially sure. in yeah. certain neighborhoods. Like there are certain neighborhoods that I don't mm-hmm. think would ever reach that level of, of progressive, but I definitely think yeah. if it would be possible in Nebraska. I could see Omaha. I could see Omaha going to either new or uh, American Labor, New Liberal, or Progressive. It, it could really be a toss up of right. any three, I, I think. I think that New Liberal might just take the cake because you look at like the leaders for you know, the new liberal and I right. feel like a lot of Omahans would have the same reaction that I do when I see those names and I'm like, oh those are nice guys. they're fluent in compassion right (laughs) yeah so then our other two parties we've got the christian conservative party and the patriot party yeah so the christian conservative party would be uh most focused on religious liberty particularly for christians they would you know have more sort of evangelical religiously based uh opinions such as, you know, being anti-abortion, being, I, I would assume, probably anti-death penalty as well, uh, if you're giving them sort of more free reign. And their leaders would include people like former Vice President Mike Pence, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and former Governor of South Carolina, South Carolina Nikki Haley, and also, I guess she was also the former uh, UN ambassador. ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. I like how we're titling these people, but we were just like, yeah, Pete Buttigieg, well, he I mean, would have been there. the Secretary of Transportation. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, reporting Busman for Pete. duty. <laughs> Busman Pete. And I'm sure he does a great job. <laughs> yes, mean, I'm sorry, yeah, that's Emma. okay. <laughs> he seems like a nice man. He is, and hopefully he's a nice man. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. And then for, he's a politician. Yeah, I mean they're all. <laughs> Everyone's got skeletons in their uh, closets. So and then for the for the Patriot Party, uh, you would you'd have leaders like Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, and it also lists Tucker Carlson. I think that's so funny. <laughs> which I mean, I 
I, f I feel like if you're listing Tucker Carlson as the leader, you're basically just saying this is the party where the white nationalists are. <laughs> right. Right? Because, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave in those seconds of silence so that we can really drive the point home. I mean, yeah, it's just funny to me that they, like, wouldn't, they wouldn't bring Trump. They're in there, in mean, this one, they wouldn't bring Trump yeah, back. Yeah. But they do explicitly say that, you know, it would have been the party of Donald Trump's 2016 primary. Campaign. Yes, the Patriot Party is in this very intrinsically linked to Donald Trump's campaign. It's the coalition of small town white working class Americans who feel that they're left behind by globalism and condescended to by cosmopolitanism. Okay, New York Times. If you are worried about these people being consented to, condescended to, maybe you shouldn't use words like cosmopolitanism because <laughs> I feel condescended <laughs> to right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> really, um, really, uh, like showing your hand there. <laughs> but, yeah, so these people would be overwhelmingly white. I I really I mean I it makes sense that they kind of split the Mike Pence's and Nikki Haley's from the Tucker Carlson and Tom Cotton's, but like I think it's really interesting because like that's kind of already happening. Like there's already mm -hmm. that split. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. It's nice for me to like be able to see those and what they would yeah. look like as two independent parties. As someone who like has a lot of Republican family members and peers who like I want the best for them, but like <laughs> it's nice to see that like there is, that there could be this separation. Like it's a very nice if it's a fantasy, then it's a fantasy, but it's nice to hold in my head and be like, ah, yes. Yeah, like your Republican grandparents, they're probably even if they're Republican, maybe they would just be Christian Conservative Party. They wouldn't be Patriot Party Republicans. And they could just vibe with Mike Pence and his fly. Which, uh, I mean, not great. Not great, but it's better. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, as, as long as, you know, if they're anti-death penalty, then, it, especially in other countries, like, the more explicitly, like, Christian parties, all, part of their platform is being anti-death penalty, right? Right. And I agree. So that that w would need to be a huge thing. And that, like, is a whole rabbit hole that I could go down um, <laughs> as someone who grew up, like, being surrounded by, like, very, very anti-abortion views, but also very, very pro-death penalty views. Like, that has just always been something that was There is a my serious contradiction there. It is ridiculous. It is insane. And I am super, I am, I am a pro-choice <laughs> individual. I also am very anti-death penalty. That's just always been a personal mm -hmm. matter of mine. And so it's weird to, you know, grow up and have these conversations on both fronts, on both ends of right, existence, right. like my whole life. But that's kind of part of it too, is being a Catholic. Like issues of like religious liberty have always played into politics and I would like, you know, hopefully for a potential Christian conservative party to not want to kill people. That's what yeah, it's Yeah, I mean, for. the hope would be that they wouldn't just stand up for the religious liberty of Christians, but also, you know, be, that being detached from the Patriot Party would allow them to also advocate for the religious liberties of other people, like Muslims or Hindus, right? Um, the, I mean, it's the hope. We, I, we can hope that, yeah, sure. I think like the best case scenario would be for the hypothetical, not real Christian conservative party to be a party that acts on the issue of very like of having very limited government. Mm -hmm. And so being 
you know, get it, getting rid of oppressive laws, getting rid of things like abortion bans that don't uphold people's individual rights. That would be kind of that. That's kind of my faraway idealistic hope is that a <laughs> Christian conservative party acts on the views of like the First Amendment to the nth degree. So right, yeah, right. I think it's interesting how we we all knew Brian got exactly in the center, but we couldn't remember what party he was right off the top of our head um, because all of all of the three that are like central parties, quote unquote, are really actually pretty far from the center. And so they talk about that a little bit and they say there is no, you know, center party because there are very few voters who are actually in the middle across all issues. Except for Brian. Except for Brian Beach. He should have his own party. He Leaders really include should. the Beach Party. Leaders include Brian Beach. Oh my God. Brian Beach can can run under the platform of like the Beach Boys. It's five yes. o'clock somewhere. It's his is his anthem. That's Brian goes away for one episode, and we're already like plotting his rise to presidency with the Beach Party. The Beach Party. <laughs> but yeah, it's they were talking about how a lot of people who consider themselves centrist also think that they're more socially liberal and fiscally moderate, which I know my mom really falls under that. She has a hard time sometimes dealing with what the the more progressive side of the Democratic Party is doing, but of course she doesn't want anything to do with the Republican Party because she doesn't want to be associated with Trump. Right. I, I vibe with your mother. The, <laughs> the, um, yeah, and the issue with the two-party system is it forces people who do disagree on like a bunch of issues to uh, you know come together because they both dislike the other guys more, which is not a constructive way to do politics. You should be building you should be building coalitions on like shared interest, not on like you know shared hatred. Dis- hatred and the enemy of my enemy. Yeah, I imagine that a lot of things like you would have single issue coalitions that would uh, like the beach party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would vote for centrism i'd still vote for the beach party i think just because of the name or yeah 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 i mean i'm the person who was team pete because he was nice (laughs) brian's nice (laughs) brian can be the next pete Buttigieg. it's like um the meme of people like shaking hands it's (laughs) pete Buttigieg, brian beach nice nice (laughs) anyway so those are the sort of the New York Times took it upon themselves to make six parties, which, you know, good on them. I was honestly really interested when this popped up on my phone, and I think it's a pretty neat way of looking at where we are. And I think that for people who take the quiz and maybe have not thought of it this way before, they'll realize that, like, wow, we really are grouping three completely different coalitions of people into the same political party. So it's, you know, the Patriot Party, Christian Conservative, and Growth and Opportunity. Right now, they're all housed in the Republican Party, but they're really far away from each other. Like, if you drew angles between them, they would all be obtuse angles. And then the American Labor Party, New Liberal Party, and Progressive Party. I'm looking at this. I'm thinking like an equilateral triangle here, guys. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Um, I, I think it really does show uh, the ideological diversity within the within the parties, right? Although we did try, <laughs> Nick did try to. Um, oh, yeah. Out uh, outwit the system. He he broke the New York Times quiz. I so okay. So what I did was I took the I took the quiz as if I were uh, you know trying to get 
the the most patriot party answer. And I am off the graph. <laughs> I'm like, off the graph right there. Yeah. The, the dot is on the words that are like labeling the graph. It is very far. Yeah. It's it's not um it's actually pretty close to the center for mm-hmm. the economically yeah, I, conservative, but it's is way up there I, for yeah, socially I, conservative. Yeah, no. And so I do have some problems with this quiz though. One, I don't think there are enough questions to properly categorize people. A lot of other uh, sort of political ideology quizzes have a lot more questions. And also, the all of the questions are not like agree, disagree, strongly or otherwise. There is variance there, and so I think that might be, you know, like one of the questions is just yes or no on an issue. So that's, I think, that is maybe throwing things off a little bit. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I think that this is, it, it's a really cool concept, but I would like to, you know, I feel like it, I would like to see this quiz with like 40 questions mm-hmm. and kind yeah. of see how, because I bet, I, I mean, I'm sure that with 40 questions, the three of us would have way more, you know, variants yeah. than we already have. For sure, for sure. Uh, there's a quiz called the Eight Values Test, and rather than putting you on a graph, it gives you uh, different uh, values. Basically, there are like four val- four values on each side, and you are somewhere on a bar graph between them. It would be like, are you more nationalistic or more internationally minded, right? Okay, so uh, it's like, it's almost like where this only has the like, social aspect and the economic access, like axis, it has more. It, yeah, it. yeah, it has more, but it's just not represented by a graph, it's just right, bars. Right, right. Because I feel like, you know, a, a graph is all said and good. You either move mm-hmm. up and down or left or right. But politics is a lot more nuanced. Politics has a z-axis. Yes, it does. That's it's the, in a, we're that's in a, the We're in a plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I think it's funny, I just took the quiz again and I tried to do it as like the most liberal person I could. Um, and I'm just on the very edge of the graph. I'm like a little bit above the progressive party, but I'm still on the graph with like mm-hmm. me trying to be the most yeah degenerate lib I can be. I think the graph does confine American politics to only the present scope of ideology. There's no, like there is no socialist party, right? There, there is a barrier there. Yeah, right? that's true. Because I, I personally consider myself, I'm not a social democrat. I'm like, I'm considerably more radical than that. But you know, I, if if the furthest left option was the progressive party, yeah, I'd, I'd vote progressive. I just think it's funny that I couldn't get off the graph when I tried to be super yeah, progressive. I, I actually think it might be a good thing because maybe it means that like those people, maybe they don't exist. Hopefully that's what it means because this is based on a survey that they did assessing, this is how they got the information true. of how, um, what what the demographics would break down for. So maybe it just means that there isn't anyone like that and that we're not terrible people. But depending on how they got the knowledge, there is a good chance that all of the very, very, very far right people saw New York Times and said no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that there are some good questions in there that sort of really get at uh, people's uh, views on race. There's like, there's one question that is like, uh, that's like, it's from like strongly agree to strongly disagree. And the question is uh, like, white people are systemically disadvantaged as much as black people, right? And I think that having a question like that 
I mean, uh, the answer is obviously uh, strongly disagreed. They're not, but having that question does allow you to gauge what people think. Right, and I think it's a good way to approach, like, they have a couple questions here on racism. I can't remember what the other one was. Um, it was the minority people are able to advance. Oh, um, right. Like they have they the have same the op- op- yeah. amount of opportunities. They have the same the amount of opportunities. The way they phrased their questions about race were great because they didn't use a lot of like the buzzwords that shut people down. Mm-hmm. Right. They were phrased in a way to encourage people to, to answer honestly. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I honestly think, like, for the one that was about white people being just as discriminated against as people of color, do you honestly think that even the most patriot-y, patriot-y Tucker Carlson kinney would, like, answer strongly agree? Yes. I think he would. Yes. Really? Yeah, yeah I, I think Tucker would. I, you think, I, can I, we call Tucker? Yeah, I want to know. Just get him on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me, here, I got him on speed dial. <laughs> Yeah. my man. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, I've talked to... Tucker to, Carlson? <laughs> no, 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 no but, but people who watch his stuff, um, and yeah, they would say that. That just baffles my mind. No, it, it, I mean, well, because, like, it is on some level a question of fact. Yeah. Huh. But, I, you know, I, I, I definitely think there are people... I have had the same experience right. where I have talked to people that... I mean, and it's just... Part of it is, I'm not going to say the mainstream media, because <laughs> now we're getting into the realm of things Tucker Carlson would say. <laughs> but um, there is like that manipulation from politicians, and especially right-wing politicians, that mobilize lower-class white Americans by making them believe that their opportunities have been taken from them, that the reason why they are lower-class is not because of capitalism or government oppression yeah. it is because of it's this it, it's this sort of like false populism where rather than blaming the actual issues which is you know rampant wealth inequality and you know the largest form of theft which is wage theft the boss is taking your money they blame immigrants or you know basically non-white poor people is is the scapegoat rather than Oh no! The actual the the actual person to blame is not the non-white poor person; it is the rich people. Right, and this is literally like that is how the slave industry industry like came about, like in the 1700s, mm-hmm. was you know convincing indentured lower class whites that it was like that they should dehumanize their black counterparts until yeah. the institution mm-hmm. of slavery came about. Yeah, the dividing lines are ultimately not racial, but but class-based. Exactly. Yeah. Fun stuff, guys. I love that our episodes just always, like, devolve into, like... No, we, we have evolved. The class. We, we have evolved. The class. It's the class system. You mentioned that you had some issues with the how it was a little limiting, um, and did you have any others which... Yeah, issues so with it? Um, I think that part of it is the, so one of my issues is, so the only reason that I am above the Progressive Party uh, is because of my stance on guns, right? And I think that is the inherent assumption that being pro-gun is inherently more conservative is a faulty assumption. There are loads of left-wing people who, who love guns. I think the, a love for guns comes with radical politics. It's the horseshoe, you know. Oh, of the, no, it's not horseshoe. Oh. It's the horseshoe. I know, because the, the far left and the hard right. only for guns. 
Yes, horseshoe theory for guns. Horseshoe theory for guns is valid. Yeah, um, so that's that's saying that the far left and the far right are actually a lot closer to each other because instead of going in a straight line, things will curve up into a horseshoe axis, and so those two bits will be close to each other, but they'll be separated by a gap. And so they'll be very extreme in their views, and they'll be extremely different in their views, but they'll have that same extremity, extreme, yeah, extremeness that will make them closer to each other. Where guns are concerned, I think there is a lot of agreement between the far right and the far left. Um, the handshake meme again. Yeah, but like in this one, they're also trying to shoot each other. <laughs> it's yeah. like the handshake meme, yeah. but, but then there's another hand that has a gun. <laughs> it's the handshake meme, but like they've got that like like James Bond like gun up the sleeve <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> And I mean, I'm interested on that, like, it says, so for the Progressive Party itself, though, it would be people like AOC and Elizabeth Warren, and then are they more or less pro-gun, do you know, than... I think the, the default position for most Democrats is that, like, yes, no, obviously the Second Amendment is important, but there should be some restrictions. And I, I've never heard either of them speak super strongly on guns, maybe they have, but... I just don't think that uh, guns are like a big issue for them. Um, AOC has a four point plan to solve America's gun issues. What does it mean by solve America's gun issues? Solve them. Pass universal background checks, disarm domestic abusers, okay. mandate safe storage, and ban bump stocks, semi-autos, high cap magazines designed to kill people. We banned bump stocks after Las Vegas. Yes. Ah, yep. This yeah. is um, this was from 2019. Right. That was her plan. Wait, that was after Vegas. Vegas was 2017. Oh, well, she wants to ban bump stocks again. Ban them harder. <laughs> it didn't do it good enough the first time. But yeah. So to you, is that I don't, I'm not like a gun aficionado, so I don't I mean, know whether or not that would be considered. Think, so so from what I know of like, especially like far left pro gun people, is they're not like they are not as violently opposed to gun control as people on the far right. They just want gun laws to be written by people who understand guns, and that's the frustration. And I think that is a lot of pro-gun people's frustration, is that you end up getting these laws that don't make any sense. Like, in California, to own a an AR-15, you have to have basically like a flipper on the back of the grip. It's very weird. It looks very awkward. What's the flipper for? Um, I'm not entirely sure, and I don't think anyone is entirely sure. It, it It's very strange. It's funny that you say you wish people who understood guns were making the laws about guns, because I feel like that's how people with uteruses and oh, <laughs> reproductive yes, organs that, that yes, feel about. Yes, 100%. <laughs> it's, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. No, because yeah, you, 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 when you said the laws end up not making any sense, I mean, that to my mind just went straight to the Texas Right. The mm-hmm. Texas oh, yes. bill. Agreed. That's why I think that recreational drug users should make the drug laws. There you go. <laughs> now that's, now well, that's the meme that's of the not guy. something that that's not something that I think the beach party will have a lot of <laughs> expertise <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to reconsider my support for the beach party. <laughs> kind of sad. <laughs> This is a lot cooler than your average BuzzFeed quiz, I'll tell you that. I think we should do um, pick your favorite Taylor Swift album and we'll tell you which party you would be in. And I bet I could get just as close to what people's actually beliefs are (laughs) as this quiz could. And that's a challenge. If the New York Times wants to hire me to bank that quiz, we'll see how it goes. You could pull that off. 
the next time you're thinking about taking a BuzzFeed quiz, maybe take this quiz instead and think about how the two-party system may not be the best fit for our country. We're the DN opinion section and we love not having fun. <laughs> what, what should I say? <laughs> and climate change is an existential threat to all human life. Goodbye. Climate change is an existential <laughs> threat to all human Climate change is an existential yeah. Climate change is an existential threat to all human life on Earth. Mazel tov. <laughs> <laughs>